continues here in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, there is no edition of Canuck Central tomorrow. No, no Canuck Central tomorrow. Uh, there will be a Canuck Central post game. Yes. But uh, because of the time change, a 3 o'clock start tomorrow. Uh, we'll be on for pregame at 2 o'clock, but no official edition of Canuck Central for tomorrow. So uh, you'll get a lot of us today. Now we've got Don Taylor coming up and Irfan Gaffar plus the Monday menu. Now, uh, we are going to get to Rick Talkett in a second, mm-hmm. but I figured we'd, we'd uh, at least address this a little bit. Before we get that, based on, you know, Alvin, we asked him about the yes. Connor Garland thing. However, he didn't really get into it. He said, I'm not going to get into specifics. But like we said, they're open to things, but they don't feel pressure to do anything and all this stuff, right? Now, a lot's been made about the Canucks retaining salary, right? And a lot's been made about the Canucks perhaps sweetening the pot on Connor Garland. My understanding is if the Canucks do that, it's to acquire a player. Yeah. So if they're making a trade and they're sweet, if they're retaining a little bit and giving an asset, it's not to just get rid of Garland. It's to get something back in return. They would want something significant back in return, though. Yeah. Or a player they really like. Something who's going to help them. Like, yeah. yeah, Somewhat of an impact player. Is it going to be like a full on core player? I'm not sure, but something along those lines. I know Elliot and Merrick spoke about this on the on the 32 Thoughts podcast that the Canucks, you know, he he got pushed back to the Canucks are only looking at D they're looking at different or not want to take on salary. And my understanding is like cap space matters. Yes. But improving the team is what they look at more than anything. They're not going to be giving away Garland and giving extra away to get rid of the contract. So I'd say that's something to keep in mind. If, if we hear the acquire something back that they feel like can help them. I think they'd love to get a top four defenseman just it's very hard to do, yeah. right? So we'll see ultimately where it goes. And that's why I've always I've been kind of like pessimistic about a timeline for a trade. It's just so hard to pull off. And considering what Vancouver wants to do and get value back in return and where teams are at, those things usually take time to align. Especially with the uh, amount of cap space that the Canucks are hoping to open up with a deal, right? At least according to what Elliot Friedman has alluded to in a perfect world the Canucks are able to clear enough cap that maybe they can start accruing cap space in the lead up to the trade deadline of course you cannot accrue cap space while you are in LTIR but and that would mean the Canucks are clearing two and a half million dollars off of Connor Garland's current salary which is going to be hard to do so they have to clear at least 2.47 about roughly just to get to that's always got the exact numbers that's I mean that's why we keep them around <laughs> right it? yeah well 2.47 roughly and that's not yeah. even exact roughly um, is what they have to clear just to get to the cap ceiling so okay. that would, then they'd be bang on 83.5 right if they actually want to accrue cap space, they have to create an additional, at least, I'd say, 500K. Because, I mean, sure, you can every dollar accrues, right? Yes. One if, dollar if it's today. it's only $1, then it's Yeah, but $1 today is going to be 5 bucks at the deadline. <laughs> but still, it's 5 bucks at the deadline. What are you going to do with 5 bucks? But if you get 500K, at least, it has to be at least 500K. Because 500K of cap space. What kind of savings account is this? <laughs> 5 bucks? <laughs> Who can I get for $5? So, yes. They would have to clear an additional 500K, and 500K today would become roughly two and a half million at the deadline in terms of players you can you can bring back. So that tells me that if the Canucks want to accrue cap space, they have to clear at least roughly three million. 
Yeah. Which, Godspeed. Yeah. You're not doing that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If it would be up, very difficult, especially if you are retaining salary on Garland. Yeah, it's just a hard thing to do. Yeah, if you're retaining salary plus taking something back. I mean, that's why you're basically taking down, taking back a million dollar player plus uh, retaining salary on Garland. Yeah. It just it's, doesn't seem plausible. Nothing. And yeah, what not many teams can actually take that much salary on. Like yeah. even a team like Winnipeg that people say is somewhat interested, right? Like if you're making a deal with Winnipeg, you'd have to take a salary back. They don't have enough cap space to take him back. It, it's you know, probably Na- why Columbus keeps coming up because they're one of the few teams that actually has yes. space. And Nashville also has a little bit of space they yeah. can do it. But even Nashville can't just like take it all on. They have to do something. So it's like, you know, it, it becomes complicated when you look at it through that lens. So the idea of creating cap space, as nice as it is, them pulling it off, and I'm not disputing the reporting, of course. Like you know, Elliot's always bang on on these things. I'm just saying, it's it's not going to be easy if yeah. if you're looking to accrue cap space. It's going to be very hard. Uh, so that's the situation with Connor Garland, and of course, as far as Patrick Alvine talked in our recent interview from earlier on in the program, basically nothing imminent and will not be forced into doing something until they find a deal that they feel is going to help the organization over the long haul. It's um it was an interesting day today. Canucks had a hard practice in Philly. Uh lasted uh, close to an hour for those that were in attendance timing it on their little stopwatches, I imagine. I just I I picture Thomas Durant at the Wells Fargo Center with a little stopwatch timing the exact amount of time so that he could bring it up to Rick Tockett. And I, I love how like they were kind of debating the time a little bit. And he's like, yeah, it was about an hour. And then Tockett's like, no, I don't think it was an hour, maybe 55 minutes. They're like arguing. We're fi- they weren't arguing. They weren't even bickering. I mean, we're just, you know, making dramatic here. But it was funny. They were discussing a difference of maybe four or five minutes. Yeah. When, when do you start the clock? Yeah, exactly. When Tockett gets on the ice? As soon as when? somebody gets on the ice? Or is it when Tockett gets on the ice? From the minute Tockett starts talking? Just so we're on the same page. But it was just yeah. funny because he's like, oh, technically it was, you know, maybe 50. I'm like, well, it, like to me, it's like 55 <laughs> minutes an hour. It's the same thing. I round it up. Like, I don't think of it exact. But yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I remember my minor hockey practices. They were very unserious. For the first 10 minutes, the coaches were just trying to make us stop shooting pucks into the boards. You know, it's just like, like herding cats <laughs> on the ice. Pretty much. Um, all right. Kidding aside. I. This is where that confirmation bias thing comes in again, because we're talking about culture changes and differences. So you're yeah. looking for these types of, of things. Of course. It, you, they, I mean, they, so it's so like the game they won against Edmonton, right? Yeah. Give them credit. Mm hmm. But literally, if like one bounce goes against them and they lose, it's a different conversation. Very about different, it. and it's one bounce. So it's yeah. like it's funny how you can spin a narrative, win or lose a game like that, and all it comes is one bounce. What's the difference really when you think about it? But yeah, I mean, they can't play the way they played on Saturday and expect to win consistently. But it was interesting to see Rick Tockett put them through a tough practice today, mm-hmm. and then speak to the media and say, "Yeah, you know, I." There were some guys I didn't really like, and uh, some guys can can be better in, in different situations. And it was, you know, if I think about the the good stretch with Boudreaux, when the Canucks were really riding a very hot Thatcher Demko and a really good power play through the back end of that season, 
you know, you'd ask Boudreaux about it after the game, and you know, I'm not going to apologize for a good goalie or I'm paraphrasing. We won the game, guys. Yeah, we won the game. That's, I that's time, what matters. There was one post game where they played like crap, and they kept getting asked about the game. He's like, guys, we won the game. I don't know what you guys are asking about. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like you guys were outshot 85-2. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but we scored on those two shots. <laughs> that's the exaggeration of it all. But you know, it was a very different tone. Right. Yeah. And and you could even like Taka didn't call them out after the game, but you could tell he wasn't overly pleased with the the entire performance after Saturday night's game. Mm-hmm. And then that thread, that mindset sort of continued today and they have a hard practice. You know, he's out there yelling, like, earn your ice time at guys, you know, and, and it's it's a really stark contrast from what we've seen in the past. And it feels like, hey, here's this guy that's trying to bring in a culture change and this is kind of how you do it. Like talk, it always says you need to be uncomfortable and it feels like he doesn't want this team to get comfortable even for a moment. No. And and it's a classic coaching tactic as well, right? When things are going sideways and everybody's on you, you know, your team is playing really bad to the media. You kind of protect the guys. You kind of like, you know, it's okay. They're working hard. Like you don't want to bury them. And then maybe you're, you're, you have a softer approach because you want to build their confidence up. But when you're kind of flying high, it's kind of awareness that like you can take the stick to them a little bit. So I think he's, he's also looking at it and saying, we won two games and this is, this is the time to like, you know, let's, let's bring the stick out a little bit and make sure that they, they don't get comfortable, stay uncomfortable. Like yes. you mentioned, that's something he wants his team to be. So I think it's a lot of just like some traditional coaching in that aspect of it. But yes, I mean, the way they played against Edmonton, and Edmonton was really good, right? Like There are some guys who just weren't as good as others were. So when he says you have to earn your ice time, hey, he's the guy who brought up ice time. Yeah. He's the guy who controls the ice time. Here are the players who had their ice time somewhat limited, mm-hmm. comparatively speaking. Now, a lot of special teams time on the PK, right? They spent like, what, I think 12 minutes on the PK that game all yeah, in. Yeah, they had four minors in the second period alone. Yeah, and had seven. They gave yeah. up seven power plays in general. Now, now, they scored on a couple, but they also killed off a few, and they went full two minutes on a few, so they spent a lot of time on the PK. That's always going to impact the ice time a little bit. But Hoaglander, who he did praise, played eight minutes and 14 seconds. Garland played nine minutes and 42 seconds. Yep. Anthony Bavillier played 12 minutes and 53 seconds. Dakota Joshua played 1458, so he went up a little bit, right? Studnika played 719. Sam Lafferty, the new addition, played 1440. Andre Kuzmenko, 1204. Yeah. Now, game situations too, but if he's mentioning ice time and some guys perhaps want more ice time, I think we'd all assume Kuzmenko and Bavilia should play more than 12 minutes considering their contracts and positions and all that. So I think it's somewhat directed at those guys perhaps. Studnika scored and Hoaglander scored, but they still played eight, so probably wants a bit more there as well. And I'd say Garland is somebody he probably wants more from. Now, the analytics were positive, but it's clear about the battle stuff. So just look at the ice time, Mm -hmm. even on the back end, and he says, earn your ice time. I think it's pretty clear who he's trying to reach with that it's um it, it is an interesting comment and you know stick to the staples keep doing what you want to do he talked a lot today about not throwing pucks away and making sure you keep puck possession and that's look you know right now it sounds like a breath of fresh air but if they don't back it up in the next number of games then you're going to be like well where is it, mm-hmm. right? It's it's one thing to say these things, but can you get the team to execute consistently? I think Saturday, you know, the way I would view these two games, because everybody's sort of already having this conversation of like, well, is it actually any different? Like, look at their core seat, like my concern. Um, 
And it's it's only two games, so you know if you're going to cite so, small sample size, it's small sample size if you want to think it's good, or small right. sample size if you think it's bad. Either way, it's a small sample size. It's early, right? But my point about this is, it still feels different. It still looks different. Mm-hmm. If you're watching closely, the way that they defend. Yeah, of course it got chaotic at points on Saturday. They're playing Connor McDavid and Leon freaking Dreisaitl. It's going to get chaotic anytime for any team that plays those guys at different points, especially when you have a pissed-off McDavid and a pissed-off Dreisaitl. So I expected there to be some level of chaos on Saturday in the way that they defended. The thing about this is it still needs to get better because yeah, as you go to Philly, as you play some of these other games, like Florida's really in tough right now with the way that their defense mm-hmm. is shaping, shaping up like OEL is one of the top five ice time players in the league so far this season. I mean, Holy red flags on the Florida Panthers. Can I take back my Panthers for the playoff pick? Ooh, this is 27 minutes, 27, 27 minutes a night, seven minutes. That's not great. That's what he played yeah. the last game. I know it's it, tough. And it's funny. Cause like the first game he played fairly well. And it's oh, like, yeah. this guy's fantastic. Look how good he looks. Great expected goals. And the Ten second minutes on the power play and no points. Yeah. And then the second <laughs> game, they got like really hemmed in. And yeah. if you looked at, you know, the few Panthers fans who are on, on social media were, were very, very critical of his performance. So it, it, listen, it's two games in. Yeah. Let, let's all see, you know, this is, the thing it like it still has to be better as it goes on but you can't make that declaration through these first two games is it different for me it feels different through these first two games all right we still got to get to the monday menu but i did want to touch on or we did want to hear from the coach on elias patterson here sat yeah i mean when we talk about a 200 foot game and the type of impact he's had. And I think it was interesting when the coach today, again, like he, he I mean, it was like a long media veil, 14 minutes. And he mentioned how some guys didn't have the compete. He was careful with saying it wasn't the compete, but he thought guys could have a bit more. He didn't like how they battled in some mm-hmm. situations. And we'll take a listen to what he had to say about Elias Pettersson's performance. Just an overall, you know, obviously he's producing. I wish he got something. I, I, I don't even know how many points he got, but for me, it's his overall game, uh, 200-foot game. Um, and I, we were laughing. I told him he played with every player on the team. Like, he's got a bunch of wingers, situational hockey, and he, he told the coach, I don't care, like, whatever, which is nice. He's not, he's not bitching about it. So he just wants to get on the ice in certain situations. Um, he's getting his ice time, but I'm also given that hook sometimes he plays with Lafferty, you know, it's that situational hockey. And I think he enjoys that, you know. Um, you know obviously, and then Millsy, I think those two guys in the peak here really good together. And obviously, you know, him moving more on the power play. I like what he's doing on the power play. A lot more movement. We're, we're getting the puck in his hands more. And I think that's what's helping our power play. There is Rick Tockett on Elias Pettersson. And the power play thing is something that we've talked about before. And the, t- the power play being more unpredictable. And it was so effective with Bo in the bumper spot last year. I mean, he was so prolific in scoring. So you don't mess with a good thing. Like, you don't get away yep. from a play that's having success. You know, it's like in the NFL, if you have the same run play that keeps, you know, gashing teams, you keep running it in different ways. Just do it until they stop you. Madden, right? just keep going with the slant over the middle. Hey, until they stop it, why would you change, <laughs> right? Um, and, and I think, you, I mean, you look at the Chiefs and how they play. It's a series of same plays yes. in different ways they run, and it always has success. So I have no issues with you doing that. But now that that's gone, and it was one of the best threats in the league, how else are you creating consistent threats? And I think they had a hard time doing that 
by having Pedersen just being static yes. as a one-time threat. Now that he's moving around, Hughes is moving around, JT's moving around, it becomes more unpredictable, and they allow their individual skills to shine from different areas a bit more. And Pedersen's an example of that, although I think we're seeing that from JT and Hughes as well. well you've been saying it for years. Get Pedersen on the puck more yeah. on the power play. He's more than just a one-timer guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're trying, at least. And it's working through the first two games on the power play and Pedersen's second star of the week. Uh, all right, time for the Monday menu. That sound you hear is how hot Elias Pedersen is right now. Sizzle. As the second star of the week. The Canucks are so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> they've scored tw- they've scored 12 goals, 12 in two games. They're I averaging know. six goals a game. But is their shooting percentage sustainable? I don't care. They got six goals a game. <laughs> <laughs> is anybody talking about Austin Matthews' shooting percentage and how unsustainable it is? It's through the first two games. Can we all relax? I think 100% point percentage yeah. is sustainable. It's like, when I, it's like when somebody has like five homers through the first three games of the baseball season. He's on pace for 318 home runs. It's like, yeah, well, he's not going to hit 318 home runs. Yeah, Niels Hoaglander's on pace for, was it, 264 points? <laughs> Pretty good for Niels. Or 46 points. I don't know. I can't do math hey, on the fly with the, right With now. the ice time you were I don't know uh, how many. Yeah. <laughs> putting out, I mean, that's very efficient ice time from, uh, from Niels Hoaglander. He averaged a point every 30 seconds. <laughs> And yet, didn't make the menu. Unbelievable. Tough. When everybody is as hot as this Canucks team is right now, it's tough to make the menu. So, of course, Elias Pettersson's on it. Uh, We've also got Brock Besser on the menu. He's one of the hot players this week. Had the four-goal game. Had uh, an assist on Saturday as well. I think for everyone, it's nice to see Brock get off to a good start. I even had that moment on Saturday where he was slow to get up from that uh, oh, yeah. that one collision. And it was like, oh, not again, Brock. Please don't get hurt again. Uh, let's just see good Brock Besser for a lot more of this season. Yeah, and, and sticking with individual players, I think Quinn Hughes has to make it as well. We were discussing him in the first segment and, and the step he's taken, or at least the presence, which has increased as him being the captain of the team. The way he controlled the game, the first gaming as Edmonton was something to behold watching it live yep. and in person. Not quite as impressive the last game, but in that final eight-minute stretch, when they had to kind of shut things down, him and Hironic, but especially Quinn, the way he controlled, got the puck out and kept the puck in the offensive zone, created transition. It was a master class. Uh, the start is also on the menu. 2-0, and yeah, I'd say. It Put feels, the whole team under that yeah, umbrella. It, that feels like it would be like a combo platter, you know? <laughs> You got like the matzah sticks, maybe some charcuterie, and yeah. uh, some chicken wings. Chicken like that's wings? that's the start, right? That's now. quite that's the a very eclectic plot. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. Wow. I don't know if you really get the charcuterie on the on the on the combo platter. What say, restaurant are you eating at? <laughs> I don't know. And then like wings too. It's like charcuterie and wings. That's quite the quite the combo. Usually, like if you're getting the charcuterie, you get like the little the cornichon, the little uh, the little pickles, little tiny yeah, pickles, little yeah. tiny pickles. I like those; those are good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right, simmering. The Canucks' new additions are simmering. Yeah, Ian Cole, uh, great defensively. Pius Suter, uh, Pius Suter, the, Pius. Pew, the, pew. 
pew pew in the first game. He you was know if fantastic. You type pew pew in a text to somebody, it sends them like a laser show. It does. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. So that's what it should be. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Like I like it. That's smart. <laughs> this is true. This is. I'm telling you. Spell pew pew. Pew pew. P e w. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if you if you send pew pew to your friend, I'm gonna text. They're gonna get a laser show. All right. Yeah. Pew Suter's been good. I was really impressed too with Sam Lafferty. I think we've all been with him since he came over and the way he played. We'll see, obviously, with Carson Susie because we haven't seen him play. Same thing with Teddy Bluger. But yeah, the new additions, big impact so far. Uh, yeah, it's really only Susie and uh, and Teddy Bluger that aren't simmering right now. Pretty much. But everybody's been good. Casey DeSmith, I mean, I got questions, you know, about the technique a little bit. Felt a little Roman Czechmanic y a little bit. <laughs> Roman Czechmanic had one good year or two good years. Yeah, yeah. he was just like flopping all yeah. over the place all the time. It wasn't, it felt like there wasn't as much technique with Roman Czechmanic as there was with, with other goalies. But, you know, can't knock the results. Good first start for Casey DeSmith. And, you know, um, hard not to like Ian Cole. Uh, coach is just like giving any kind of praise to Ian Cole yeah. that he possibly can, even when he's not asked about him. And uh, returning to the kitchen. Trade talk. Yeah, it just you know, it's it's not really simmering. It's kind of you know cold right now. Yeah. Got to go to the kitchen and heat up a little bit. And when it's ready for presentation, we'll bring it back out. I'm sorry, Eugene. We don't really like <laughs> this chicken parmigiana. Okay, it's a little too garlicky. We're sending it back to the kitchen. That's the trade talk today. Yes. Need to spruce it up a little bit. Yeah. Add That's... some garnish to it. <laughs> uh, for reference, nothing is ever too garlicky for me as an Italian. Uh, okay. On the menu. That's what's on the menu today. Monday menu. Each and every Monday. Coming up, Don Taylor. He's next on Sports at 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.